0: Mx Network Production.
1: Welcome to the Pulp Hockey Show with Ray Ferraro and Steve Mathis. Support the show by clicking the Amazon banner on PulpHockey.com before shopping. Follow the show on Twitter at Pulp Hockey. Subscribe on iTunes and find us on Stitcher or your favorite podcast app.
0: Welcome, everybody, to another edition of Pulp Hockey Podcast with Ray Ferraro. Thank you for listening. Uh, get it on iTunes. Get it on Stitcher. Any kind of podcatcher can also uh, get this show, or you can simply go to pulphockey.com and get it that way. And uh, please uh, listen, download, review, and uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Appreciate it. We're here each and every week talking NHL and more. Um, been going well. Been going great, great so far, and uh, we're looking forward to today's guest. Um, with me on the line, though. The man you really want to hear from TSN lead color analyst, former NHLer Ray Ferraro. What's up, Ray? How are you?
1: I'm good. I'm, uh, I'm in Ottawa. I had a game last night. LA beat Ottawa three two in overtime, and uh, or in a shootout rather, mm-hmm. and uh, got Philly and Ottawa tomorrow night. I got to tell you, um, every once in a while, something happens in a game that. You know, makes me just love where I get to stand, which mm-hmm. is between the benches most games. So at the start of overtime, um, L.A. had Kopitar, Brown, and Doughty on the ice, and Ottawa put out Turris, Oduya, and Eric Carlson. And so as they were standing at the face-off, I notice, and so it makes me laugh on the air. You you can find the clip. I laugh okay. on the air as I'm talking about it. And it's, so Doughty asks Brown, who's standing beside Oduya at the face-off, he says, do you want to flip sides and cover Carlson? (laughs) And Brown looks at Doughty and says, no, I'm good here. I'll just stay here. And Carlson heard it, and he starts to crack up, and then Doughty starts to laugh. It was one of the funniest (laughs) non-events of the game. Right, it was outstanding. They all they all end up start sort of giggling on the ice about nobody wants to cover her, Carl. Right,
0: and and if you put yourself in that shoes, Ray, as a player, you're like, yeah, I'm good, right? No, I'm fine right here. Johnny Oduya is not going to go anywhere. This is my guy. Right, exactly. you deal with him. Right, exactly. I got Oduya, and uh, and you handle it. That's funny. No, that is great, and and I'm sure you could write a book with all the stuff that that you hear
1: down there. Well. It's, some of the stuff is awesome. I also took a stick right in the side of the head yesterday. Oh, boy. Which, uh, that that one hurt. And the uh, the Ottawa trainer, leaned, he's like, are you all right? And I'm like, uh, yeah. Uh, I go, am I cut? And he's like, nope. So I just uh, got to conk off the old noodle. When you're 53, mm-hmm. the last thing you want is to be hit in the head with <laughs> a stick.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: When it was part of the game and you had a helmet on, that was fine. But yep. not in a suit. Not um,
0: interested. Looking forward to today's a guest, Keith Jones, former NHLer, and uh, now does uh, uh, NBC Sports Philly. And, of course, he's the uh, analyst for NBC Sports uh, National Games as well. So, Jonesy. Uh, uh,
1: he's a piece of work. Yeah. Jonesy is a piece of work. He is one funny character.
0: Looking forward to, uh, to talking to him. Um, all right, Ray. So, uh, I was at the Knights game last night versus the Blackhawks. All they do, win, win, win. This, this <laughs> what is an easy this, league. Eh? They're they on their third goalie right now. And, um... I don't know what is going on here. I'm very confused. I'm telling the wife that they get ready to, to lose, and then they do not lose, and then she puts it in my face again. But honestly, I don't know what it is. I I, I, I was pumped to watch Chicago last night and all of their stars, and they weren't that good. I don't think, or maybe the Knights are good. I don't know anymore, Ray. I don't know. So, Well, I, I don't know either. I mean, i
1: I suspected that uh, and we talked a lot about it, I think, at the start of the year that, that it was, while it's an expansion team, they, they got a, a way bigger head start than previous expansion teams. There were better players that were available uh, to them. Um, they should have a better year than, you know, than most of the previous expansion teams. But to get out of the gate like this is just, mm-hmm. I mean, that's crazy for any team, let alone an expansion team to yep. to come out of you know to come out of the starting blocks and most teams have their their growing pains they win a couple games they back one up they play a poor game and you know and maybe Chicago's a little bit of an example of that i mean they've turned over almost half of their roster in the last couple of years through salary cap mm-hmm. restraints they don't they don't really have a choice so i'm with you they're not as good as they used to be but i've not seen this coming no from, no from Cer- vegas and certainly going through you know Flurries hurt and then, you know, their backup goalie Subban, is hurt. gone. Yeah, he's gone. Yeah, no, yeah. no, their backup goalie Pickard, yeah, is Pickard. gone. Yeah. <laughs> and then they who they you know, and then they bring in Subban, and then he's hurt. And now they've got Oscar Dansk, who was at one time a, a high draft pick of Columbus. And uh um you know, he just couldn't find his footing there, mm-hmm. I guess. And you know, he gets an opportunity here and he wins his first start last night against Chicago and um you know, kind of everything that yeah. George McPhee and, and uh, Gerard Gallant have tried to do so far, while there's been a couple of little sort of or hiccups, you know, I would say acquiring too many defensemen is one. Uh, they haven't really figured out what the deal is with Vadim uh, Shipachev who mm-hmm. they signed to that two-year free agent deal out of Russia. He's back, you know, got sent back down to the yep. minors today. Um, you know, so those would be like a little bumpy thing, but, man, everything else has come up pretty well, perfectly for them.
0: Yeah, it's amazing. The, the arena has been flooded with opposing fans uh, so far, and they are all leaving very sad. There were so many Blackhawks fans, so many Bruins fans, Sabres fans in the last few
1: games we've gone to, and they are leaving sad. Now, I would say about the Blackhawks fans, because that's, I mean, that's a point to talk about, too, about mm-hmm. how many fans from other teams are going to go to the games in Vegas. Yep. But the Blackhawks travel really well. Uh, almost in any building you go to, there are lots of Blackhawk fans. Uh, when I played for the Rangers for that short time, mm-hmm. everywhere we went, there were a pile of Ranger fans. Like, it, it yep. was not uncommon. Yep. But, you know, you say there's a lot of Buffalo fans. Well, that would be uncommon. Yeah, there, there really but, was. Yeah. And so, is there noise in the building? Is there, does it seem like a home building, or does it seem like a neutral building? No, it's
0: definitely a home building. Still, they do a good job, but i am um, have been surprised at the number of visiting jerseys for every team so far. My wife went to St. Louis game; I didn't go. She said the same thing. Tons of St. Louis fans. She said more than Boston, and uh, uh, they—it's still—they still do a good job. They still—the home fans are still overpowering the the visitors. Um, but it's—it's uh, it's remarkable. It, it really is what they're doing. So,
1: well, maybe in a little bit of time that changes mm-hmm. where like your wife's a good example, right? Like yeah. she's got Vegas gear. Yeah. She's a Vegas fan. And you know, not that you're going to not be a leaf fan because no. no, as I say, it's tattooed on your ass, but the, maybe you become, Hey, you know what? I, I'm going to get a Vegas Jersey. I, I like this player or whatever it is. I'm going to get some gear because hell, they're in my hometown. And so I, I think maybe over time, if they, if they do a good job, they'll maybe they, they push
0: out some of those other jerseys, yeah, too. Yep, absolutely. Um, so you saw the Kings, the LA Kings, who were off to a surprising start, at least to me. Uh, you saw the Kings twice. Uh, takeaways from that, um, John Stevens has them playing a little, little bit more of a up-tempo game, from what I can tell from Daryl Sutter, although the Leafs, I thought the Leafs' speed kind of showed um, in that game. Uh, they took a lot of penalties and Leafs were able to kind of get around them, but Generally
1: speaking, they don't look like that plodding club a little bit, huh? No, they're not. Try- they're not playing like that at all. I mean, the system has been flipped a little bit. Um, they want their defense up in the play. They want to be more aggressive. They want to. Um, they want to play with more speed. Um, and, and it's funny, you know, like it was time for a change. They they needed a change from from Daryl, but there was a time when they needed a change to Daryl. Mm-hmm. And under Daryl, they won two Stanley Cups. But there was. Definitely time for, you know, the, it, it just needed to be different. The changes aren't huge, but they're enough that everybody is a little more relaxed, a little more free, and I think it shows in their play. Um, now, I'm surprised with their start too, uh, but I do think over the next couple of months when they don't have Jeff Carter in the lineup, that will erode a lot of this success early. Like When you look at L.A., they've got Ange Kopitar at center and then no Jeff Carter. And their next center is uh, Adrian Kempe, who scored in back-to-back games. He got a hat-trick last mm-hmm. week against, uh, against Montreal. Done a really nice job for them, but he's not going to continue to score at the pace he is now. But, you know That's yep. going to fade away. Then past that, their bottom six, they're not going to get much offense from. So I think it'll catch up to them mm-hmm. a little bit. But we'll see if they make a deal, if, you know, if, they tr- if they acquire somebody, because Carter will, when the time comes that yep. they'll need uh, space, they can, they can put him on long, long-term injury relief, and they'll get the amount of his salary in expanded cap room until he comes back. So what they're looking for, I would assume, is a, a centerman who's on an expiring contract, a contract that ends this year, at the mm-hmm. end of the year, that mm-hmm. they could bring in while Carter's out. Did so, you? Oh. But but it's a it's a it's a different looking team.
0: Uh, Dustin Brown, I just they left him exposed to Vegas. He's got a big contract. He hasn't had. I just figured Ray he was kind of done a little bit to be honest. Um, playing well, you're the know, only one. Do you know why? Is it, did you did you dig around and find well, out? He says he said he's added added
1: ten, oh, like added 10 pounds. Oh, added ten pounds. only <laughs> yeah, he might be the only guy in the league that's added weight. But he felt like he had lost a lot of his power. Okay. Um, Brown is a really you know, stocky, powerful player. And he looked slow the last couple of years. And so his thought was he had gotten down to close to 200 pounds. And he's like, he thought in his, you know, in the way he evaluated his, his game, that he needed to be more powerful again. I think he's skating as well as I've seen him in the last two or three years. He's really looked good. He's also gotten more responsibility under Daryl Sutter. His Mm -hmm. minutes kind of crept down towards 14 or 15 minutes. Now he's back up to 19 and 20. Well, it's early, yep. and we'll see if yeah. he can continue to handle that. But it's not like he's 37. Yep. yep. You know, he's, yep. he should be able to handle 17, 18, 19 minutes of ice time. And, and the other guy, really, the big story to me is Kopitar looks phenomenal. Yep. He looks outstanding. And um, it's funny, you know, we never really give any consideration to what happens off the ice. But, you know, in the last two years, he's got married. He's got two kids now. Um, you know, we had to adjust to life away from the rink, which leaks into the rink. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't sleep as well. Those of us that have kids, you all know that. That you, you don't sleep as well. There's more to do. It's not just about you anymore. And some guys take a little bit of time. Kopitar had played a lot of hockey. Then they had the World Cup. And like a lot of guys, um, like Jonathan Taves would be another one uh, last year, they just flattened out last year. They, yeah. just, they had bad years. And he looks terrific so far.
0: Um, Okay, so can you explain the Jonathan Quick uh, punch to the head in the crease, get pulled for a couple minutes, concussion spotter? What happened,
1: Ray? What happened? Well, it was a mess. (laughs) And so, you know, he gets hit on the ice. And so there is mandatory and discretionary testing that the player has to or could go under. I do not know about the discretionary word. The discretionary word is new to me. (laughs) So there's two categories. So he gets the word that he's got to go for discretionary testing, which basically is the trainer asks him if he's all right. Mm -hmm. But in the time he comes off the ice, the league calls from the spotter who's not at the games, but watching the games on video and says, yeah, we we need to see him for like league discretionary testing. But in that, so now he's off the ice. As soon as he comes off the ice, He's got to stay off the ice for one play. So Quick comes off, the trainer looks at him, the trainer says, yeah, you're okay, and he sends him back. Well, the refs come over and say, well, he can't come back because he just left the ice. So kemper has got to go in for one whistle. So Quick is just sitting at the end of the bench, he's got to wait for a whistle, um, and then he goes back in. It kind of surprised me because the l a was on the power play, and Kemper had made one save. there was a whistle. I thought they would just leave him till the end of the period, yeah, but they put him back in mm-hmm. and he was clearly pissed. he was not not happy, but here's the thing: if a player gets hit like that, in a lot of cases, they get checked right away in a in well, in most cases, they get checked right away in a lot of those cases. They, they will go, if they think it's hard enough, he'll go to the quiet room back under the, yeah. uh, under the arena and they do some testing on him. Well, the goalie's different. It's, you know, it's different taking a goalie out. So I don't think they know exactly how to best manage that spot. But the answer is, it, was, it looked not very organized. Yep. It wasn't a good look for the league. And they've got to drill down and, and tighten that up.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I didn't get to watch the, the game. You did the game, but uh, I'm in the L.A. Kings market, so I was watching the L.A. feed with Jim Fox. Um, not having Bob Miller there, too. Weird. Very weird. Um, but, um, yeah, I didn't really, they didn't really know what was going on either, so it was really confusing for the viewer, you know, because I assumed he had to go into the quiet room. But, yeah, there's a, I guess there's a discretionary. So.
1: Well, mm. you know, it's it's confusing for the viewer. It's confusing for us that are supposed to be telling the viewer what's yeah. going on. yeah. Because it didn't make any sense to me either.
0: No, absolutely. Um, so also, too, doing the Ottawa game, and you're doing the Ottawa game, uh, do you say tomorrow? Philly? or is it Yes, against yeah, Philly, Yeah. Um, Kyle Turris. So uh, I've read some some stuff about him. Senators fans obviously want him. Um, he wants an eight-year deal. The Senators seem to be balking a bit on that. Where does this end up, Ray, and what do you hear? What do you know?
1: Well, if he wants eight years, it won't be in Ottawa. Okay. That, that's, that's almost a certainty to me. I mean, I, I can't imagine that Ottawa would go eight years uh, with Turris. Um, now, he's got a cap-friendly deal at about $3.5 right now. It, it expires at the end of the year. Um, I think he's put up really good numbers for never really having elite line mates. And certainly when Clark MacArthur wasn't able to play, that really took a chunk out of Ottawa's offense. So he plays a lot of the time. He's, you know, with Zach Smith or Ryan DeZingle. He doesn't play much with Mike Hoffman. So he's kind of with grinderish line mates. Probably doesn't suit him mm-hmm. the best. And now with Bobby Ryan out they're they're devoid of, of top end, you know, skill forwards. So Turris kinda has to slog it alone. I think he's a fifty to sixty point centerman. Um, I I gotta imagine, I would think. His agent's Kurt Overhart, who's got a reputation for being a real hard negotiator. Um, but i um i got to think the 8 year ask is more of a negotiating tactic than anything else mm-hmm. I and mean, uh, yeah eight, 8 years is for cornerstone superstar players that's what it should be um if i were in the gm's chair i like kyle as a player i wouldn't give him 8 years right i, I would i would be trying to get 5 yep
0: do you see him saying though do you see him what do you see happening? i can't see him getting to july 1st yeah he'll either
1: be traded right or, um, or he'll be re-signed. I just, it, it, I can't imagine Ottawa's going to let him sail for nothing. Yeah, you wouldn't think so, right? It doesn't make any sense because if you let him go, great, you get the cap space, mm-hmm. but really you get $3.5 million in cap space. And then what do you have at center? You have Derek Broussard, Jean-Gabriel Paggio, and then what? Yep. They, they don't have the depth to sustain that. No teams do. He's their top center. So, I don't know, could they make a deal? Could they work something out with Colorado and in Matt Duchesne territory? Sure, That's yeah. possible. Yeah. Um, could they work something out with Vancouver? That's possible. But if you're Vancouver, because Kyle's from Vancouver, yep. if, but if you're Vancouver, would you not say, well, I'm just going to wait till July 1st and I'm <laughs> yeah. going to bid on him, yeah. as opposed to give you an asset, unless you say to Ottawa, I want to talk to him before I agree to a deal, because if we can agree to a deal, then I'll be more likely to trade for him. I'm not going to give you the assets you want for a player that's going to expire July 1st. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Um, Paul Pocky podcast
0: with Ray Ferraro. Um, Watercraft stuff, watercraft insurance, Ray. you got to do it. All points, Marine. All risk, agreed value protection, claims paid without depreciation and uh, winterization and freezing and vermin coverage, which covers you now. It's uh, late October when we do this. Uh, allpointsinsurance.ca. Please check them out. With such a limited time to, in which to enjoy your watercraft, don't waste any of it worrying about how to protect it uh, in case of accident or theft. Allpointsinsurance.ca. We thank those guys also. And uh, so, Ray, as we uh, record this on Wednesday, last night, Ben Bishop uh, was pulled uh, in a loss to the Avalanche, and afterwards uh, he said uh, there was no reason for me to Come out. I guess that's the coach's decision.
1: Yeah, that's the first real bump in the Hitchcock goalie. <laughs> issue. Right, right. Um, uh, you know, there are times when Hitchcock's, well, times, there are a lot of times Hitchcock's really, really hard um, on his goaltenders. And, um, you know, Bishop's, uh, you know, just signed there as a free agent, of course, six year deal. He's, he's played very well. I mean, if you go back two days in the articles to read, they were just talking about how he's given them more confidence and a better identity, and blah 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 blah. And then mm-hmm. he gets pulled, and all of a sudden we've got a little bit of an issue. And I'm not surprised. Um, I know any I got benched, which is the, equivalent. of course, the equivalent yeah. of of getting that. You'd be sitting on the bench, and all you can think of is f you, man. Like, yeah. wh- I want to. Why am I yanked here? Give me another chance. Give me one more shift. Give me a little heads up that, mm-hmm. hey, you know what? You're on your last shift here. You got to get going. I guess with a goalie, you can't really do that. But the game was three-two when he pulled him. It's you know, it's not yeah. like it was four-one yeah. blowout, right? And 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 so, I would have loved to have seen the daggers that Bishop <laughs> would have been sending <laughs> his way.
0: Well, remember last year in St. Louis, Jake Allen got sent home for a little bit, right?
1: I um, mean that was a brute. That, in my opinion, that was a bad, mm-hmm. really bad decision. That you not only that you send him home, but you say you know he's got to work through some mental issues. And I mean they made a, <laughs> right. they made him sound like he he couldn't get up in the morning. He was unstable. And not to make light of people that have real issues. I mean yeah. they they just ripped his confidence. They just ripped his feet from underneath him. And I, I don't know how that helps Jake Allen be a better goalie. And so now Bishop's going to have to bury this. I'm sure, um, you know, knowing the way Bishop is, he will have himself in the coach's office today uh, to have a chat, which you should, because you shouldn't let it fester. You should, you know, you should get to it and go, okay, what's the deal here? Like, is that the leash I have? I give up one goal that you don't like, and that's it? I I just want to be clear. Like, that's what I would say. So is this what we're talking about? Good. I just want to know. And uh,
0: Hitchcock goes, here's Eddie Balfour's number call him up when he was, when it, first time around. He Yeah,
1: well, you don't, you don't think that, but see, <laughs> this is the thing. You Just because Eddie Belfour could handle that mm-hmm. doesn't mean Ben Bishop can handle that, or that that's the best way to deal with Ben Bishop. It, it always amazes me that the media will look at a situation and say, because that happened with that player, it's the way it's going to happen with this player. It isn't. It, it isn't. They're mm-hmm. different people. They're you know they're different makeups. They're different goaltenders. I, I don't know why people think that, or coaches would think because I dealt with player A a certain way, I'll deal with player B the same way and I'll get the same results. That's, mm-hmm. that's nonsense.
0: Yeah, Jimmy Johnson, the Cowboys coach, famous Cowboys coach, always had that saying where uh, you tr- I'll treat everybody the same unless they're a star. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes. Oh yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. But yeah, he had. I mean, stars always get yep. a little bit more leeway. But I guess what I'm talking about is even something as as simple as you know, this is how I dealt. You know, you brought you brought up Ed Belfour. Yeah, this is how I dealt with Ed Belfour, and Ed Belfour would tell Hitch to screw off. Mm-hmm. And but Belfour, like at his core, is a fighter. Yep. Now I don't know that Ben Bishop isn't, but he doesn't have the same personality. As Eddie Belfort and so I guess hitches there's some calculation that Bishop can handle this sort of yeah. uh, reaction but to me if you're pulling a goalie at 3-2 um, you, you've got the potential of getting into a roundabout in goal there again
0: and uh, and by the way when uh, Lettinen went in he allowed the next the next shot in so the next goal
1: <laughs> well, but here, here's now. I've never been a goalie. I've never yep. been a backup goalie, but I'm sure they smell when a when a pull is coming. Mm-hmm. And if it's three two, he's probably checking out the clock. You know, like he's yep. looking yep. around, right? And then all of a sudden, he's got to go in. Yeah, he's like, what? Huh? There's no way he would have been ready for that. Yep, true.
0: Um, all right, let's uh, let's bring Keith Jones in, an entertaining guy. Um, you and him had some played against each other in a playoff series, right? So. Yep, you bet. Washington and uh, the Islanders in 93. All right, let's bring in uh, Keith Jones and uh, talk to him a little bit about from Philly, a little bit about the league itself, and uh, yeah, please please enjoy. All right, and for our first guest on the 1718 uh, uh Paul Pocky podcast season, we are pleased and proud to uh, bring you a Philadelphia Flyer expert, a man who, uh former NHLer as well, played for Philly, NBC Sports Philly, as well as NBC Sports analyst, Keith Jones. What's up, Jonesy? How are you, man? Everything is going well, guys.
2: It's getting ready for another game coming up here tonight between uh, Columbus and Buffalo. And looking forward to seeing Columbus on the big stage. Not very often that we have them in those situations.
1: They uh, they've really made a move in the last couple of years, haven't they, Jonesy? They're kind of a fun team to watch too.
2: They are. It's it's interesting because I think both you and I, Ray, can really appreciate just how hard they work and they're kind of Tortorella like in the way that they go about their business. But they got some skill. In that lineup, too, Zach Borenski is a terrific young defenseman, and Seth Jones, another one just like him, a very strong blue line, and having Panarin in the mix certainly makes them an interesting team to follow. So looking forward to seeing how they progress this year. I I obviously believe they're a playoff team, and this year I feel more confident that they can go a little deeper than they did last year.
1: Does it strike you, um, as it does me, and Steve and I talk about this almost every week on the podcast, that... When you look at a team, it's harder now than ever to say, I can see this team being that in three months. Like, it's like the, all the teams they are they're a little different, but they're kind of all the same.
2: Yep, they have moments, probably 20 games a year where they look like they could win the Stanley Cup. They've got 20 where they look like they won't make the playoffs, and they've got 40 where they're in between. It is incredible. and You can go up and down this league and you look what Vegas is doing right now. Uh, Is it shocking? I guess it is a little bit shocking the way that they're winning, but at the same time, I don't think it's a huge surprise just based upon what you're talking about. The parity in the league is tremendous. It makes for interesting evenings. I wouldn't want to be a better, I'll tell you that, because you'd be losing your rear end. It's a very difficult (laughs) sport to handicap.
1: Well, you're, you bring up Vegas. So Steve lives in Vegas, and he's holding on because he's a <laughs> diehard Leaf tattoo on his ass fan. And, but his wife is all in on Vegas. It's, it's disappointing. It, yeah, it's disappointing. <laughs> it is pretty cool to see what – I mean, there are three goalies in already. Oscar Dansk wins last night. And um, Have you played with teams – did you play with teams where your goaltending got, like, shredded? And all of a sudden you got a guy in net that you don't even really know and he's like, Man, he's our best chance. Most of the teams
2: I played for, we didn't know who our number one goalie was. So i <laughs> <that's a> problem. <laughs> except when I was when I was with the Avalanche with Patrick Waugh there, we knew then, but for the most part it was a rotation going on in Washington when I was there. That's why you ate us alive there in ninety three, right? And in Philly there was a lot of rotation going on in net, which I think continues to go on till this day.
1: Jones, do you, okay, so I was going to bring up 93, of course, because we, our team, the Islanders, knocked you guys out, and um, I like to talk a lot on the ice, you like to talk a lot on the ice, and um, we kind of had a couple of bump-ins on that, in that series, but in, in one, of the, on one of the goals, hadn't, like, I think you told me, you hadn't been on the ice for like 30 minutes, it was into overtime, right? I'll, I will tell you how
2: that entire series went, Ray. <laughs> I was on the fourth line with Randy Burch. We literally Great guy. for Terry plan for Terry Murray and Stumpy and I would get one shift, one shift a piece in the first period of every game. One of the games we got two shifts and then we would sit there, and literally we were rotating who was opening the door for the rest of the guys to come in and out of the bench. And we both, Stumpy and I love to talk, so we were lipping off to everybody on the other opposition, the New York Islanders in this case, and Ray Ferraro in this case. But we were doing it from a long way away because you were on the ice and we were on the bench. Well, the, one of the games went to single overtime, and it was literally our first shift since the first period. It was Burridge, myself, and I believe Alan May was at center for this game. Believe that. <laughs> and the first shift raised a hell rookie. of a line. <laughs> oh, my God. You scored within seconds of us stepping on the ice. So we get on the plane or after the game we're, we're chatting about it. I was embarrassing. The next night, the same thing happens. We We had a couple of shifts in the first period. Burge and I with a different center iceman you know, I can't remember at this point. And sure enough, we jump on the ice. And I believe you scored again, Ray. Did you not? <laughs>
1: yeah, I did. I got the. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, and he's all he yeah. does is smile with that. Right. You know, we just, I'm, we're just sitting there. I'm going, this is not good. Well, it wasn't done yet. So on, my, on the plane ride, Todd Krieger's calling me OT. That was my nickname. <laughs> it was the only time I got on the ice. And it wasn't for long because the game would be over. Uh, Ray or someone on your line scored again.
1: Did you get all three overtime goals, or just two of them? It, it, well, I got um, actually. I got all three. They gave one to Brian Mullen, but I got one. It was in okay. Game, there and you The go, next yeah. one was in game four. Yeah. <laughs> yep.
2: And it was the same thing. It was the absolute same thing. And and uh, finally, I said to Terry Murray, uh, "You know, is, it, is this all on me, or is it Stumpy?" And he said, "Well, Randy's out of the lineup for the next game, so you're you're okay." So Randy got pulled and I got to stay in and that was the Pierre Turgeon uh, getting run by Dale oh Hunter. Boy. Oh boy. Oh uh, boy. And I had played with Hunter the whole year and this one it was one time that I was happy I wasn't on the ice cuz Richie Pilon was just beating everybody up and I knew I would have had to stand in there and take punches from that animal too. So it,
1: it wasn't a when great that, memory for me. Jonesy when he when Hunter hit Turgeon, we were, you know, I was on the bench and there was that you know that big pile up in the corner, and I can clearly see Richie's, Richie Pilon's number 47 going like a wrestler over the turnbuckle. And he went right over the top, and he was right in the—I don't know how he ended up in the middle of it, but he was, he was pounding guys. When we came after, who shook hands, series was over, he was, his adrenaline was still— raging in the room we're like man i'm glad he's on our side <laughs> that was crazy <laughs> he,
2: he ray he was one of the meanest guys i remember i didn't know who he was earlier in the regular season and i had actually this before i was married i'd left tickets for a girl that i met to come watch the game ray, R- R- richie pilon challenged me and i'm like man i gotta fight this guy it's gonna be embarrassing to that girl that i want to try to beat <laughs> And uh, I ended up fighting him. I told him, take your visor off. I thought he was, like, from Europe or something. I didn't even know who he was. He took his visor off so fast, his helmet off so fast, and mine came flying off after he crushed me with a couple of lefts. My helmet went all the way across the ice. I couldn't see straight. And needless to say, she was not waiting for me when I left the arena.
1: I never saw her again.
2: And I owe that to Richie Pilon. At least my wife does because then I met her after that. So, you got lucky.
1: When you went to Colorado, what was it, uh, what's the dynamic like? You're, you know, we're role guys. We do our thing. And then you're in the room with all those stars, you know, Sackett and Forsberg yeah, it, and, and Packard. I can tell you
2: right. They had, they had just won the Stanley Cup. I was traded there in November, early in November, the following season for Curtis Lecision and Chris Simon. Chris Simon was a holdout, and he was out hunting bears when, when he, uh, well, they finally found him <laughs> to uh, let him know that he'd been traded. They couldn't even tell me who I was traded for uh, at the time. I was traded right after the warm-ups of a game in Long Island against the Islanders and they couldn't tell me. I, mean, I said, well, who do I get traded for? We can't tell you. I go, what do you mean you can't tell me? They said, you can't tell you. You can't find the other guy. So anyway, I went for two very popular players. LeCision was an alternate captain, and Simon, of course, was the toughest guy or one of the toughest guys in the league at that time. So I flew all the way to Anaheim for the game, stopped in Atlanta on the way at Moved myself to a first-class ticket, which the team later made me pay for. Uh, You you were quite a big deal, huh? Wow, yeah. that's. (laughs) (laughs) I got the bill for that, though. Don't worry about that. And I I showed up in uh, Anaheim for the pregame meal with all those players that had just won the cup, superstar talents. I walked into the pregame meal, and I said, boys, don't worry, I'm here. <laughs> uh, the looks on their faces was classic. So I had Sackick sitting beside me, Forsberg, Waugh, Lynch I mean, there was just a right. team full of superstar talents, and they were a great group of guys, though, but there was an attitude that they had that I'd never seen before, where you entered the game with the expectation that you were going to win, that you were the team to beat, and they were. Uh, it, was a, it was a really interesting and fun place to play, and unfortunately for me, I had a knee injury. I think the, at the end of that season and the playoffs, I kind of cut my time short in Colorado, but I really enjoyed playing there.
1: Did you have a favorite place of the places you played? Did you, like, do you identify yourself as like one spot because either the team was the best or you had the best time, the most fun, or whatever it was?
2: I, I I will say this I I really enjoyed playing in all three places Washington and Colorado and Philly, um, but I always liked getting traded too. I loved going to another team, <laughs> meet another group of players. I love putting on another <laughs> You are the first
1: guy, Jonesy. You're the first guy I've ever yeah. heard say that.
2: Man, I like I loved getting it. traded. I, I, like I just loved it, like going to a different place and like kind of and part of that probably was I could wear out my welcome because I never shut up. So I'm sure there was guys on my own team who were like, oh man, I'm happy he's gone because he's just never never stops. But I always enjoyed that. But I, I guess my time in Philadelphia was some really memorable moments, having the chance to play with Lindros and McLeir. And I was really fortunate. I played with Sakic and Deadmarsh in Colorado. I mean. I was. I, I played on some really good lines uh, for an average player. I had something at least that I could offer to those players that were a heck of a lot better than I was, but they, for whatever reason, liked playing with me, and I really enjoyed the opportunity in Philadelphia, and the fans really appreciated, you know, that pesky style of play, um, so I, I landed in the right place, and fortunately for me, I was able to parlay that into a life after hockey, which... I'm very grateful that I have the opportunity to continue to follow the Flyers and do the rest of the National Hockey League.
1: Did you know you were going to get into media? Like Towards the end of my career, I'd started doing stuff at ESPN, and I'm like, you know what, I don't even know how this started, but I can see this is what I'm going to do when I finish. Did you Did you know that?
2: I, Ray, uh, there was a lot of people that expected me to do that, and I kind of retired abruptly uh, at the start of the 2000 season. Uh, like eight games in where my knee was just shot, and I wasn't going to be able to continue anymore. And I had the opportunity. I used to watch you on ESPN and thought you were excellent with John Bucci-Gross, and I got the opportunity from ESPN. I guess they were short on guys to go up and do like 15 shows. And I thought, man, that's awesome. I'll be great at this. And I went in and I was horrible. And I just remember (laughs) thinking, man, this is a lot harder than it looks. I wish I had had the chance to do it like you did where you were – still playing and you had an opportunity to kind of get your feet wet and figure out IFB, stick it in your ear and Um, somebody talking in your ear at the same time that you're trying to speak. And I just remember sweating so badly because I knew I was terrible. I knew that all my teammates were watching. I knew that everybody I ridiculed that did the job before me uh, was sitting there going, this guy's brutal. (laughs) So uh, it was a difficult uh, pill to swallow. There was times I was thinking, man, I wish I could fix this knee and come back and play because I don't know what I'm going to do the rest of my life. But fortunately for me, I went back and did Philadelphia local Comcast Sportsnet at that time, TV, and it was very primitive pre- and post-game type shows in a really relaxed environment, and a lot of the advice you get is... Be yourself, and when you're on camera, when someone's telling you to be yourself, you know they're telling you you really suck right now. <laughs> so, I just, <laughs> so, I was able to go into Philly in a much better environment, uh, calmer place, and kind of develop uh, into what some people expected me to be. Uh, it, it took some time though, I will tell you, it took not just a few reps, it took a couple of years for me to get comfortable, and hopefully. I'm at a place now where people can at least enjoy watching me and not kill me every night.
1: Um, we said about, you know, you would have liked to have eased in while you were still playing. Well, I, so I was doing this, and then, you know, the, the playoffs would end, and then the next season would start. So my last year, we're in a playoff series against Detroit, and Yuri Fisher, there's a scuffle by the side of the net, and Fisher's got me pinned over the back of the net. You, you remember how big Yuri is, right? Huge, and he's huge. got me right around the oh, he's got me around the throat. I can't, I can't breathe. I'm trying to get off the net because, well, I'm I'm screwed here. I can't, you know, I can't move. And Iserman skates behind. Steve Eiserman skates behind and goes, "Hey Ray, why don't you analyze that?" And then <laughs> <laughs> I felt like such an ass. I was like, I was trying to say something, but I couldn't breathe. So, I guess there's pros and cons to all of it. Now, you get to work with, uh, or get to work, or have to work, or whatever, work with, with Mike Milbury, who is, who is an awesome guy, but man, did he shoot from the hip. Now, do you guys ever make each other uncomfortable when you fire something out and the other guy's got to sit there and he's the next guy? You know, it's it's interesting
2: working with Mike, because I, I totally agree with you, Ray, and a lot of people don't get to see the other side of Mike Milbury, the awesome side of Mike Milbury. Uh, yep. A lot of people would be shocked to even hear that, but I, I we've never been in that situation where I, I know that Mike has a certain shock value to what he does. Um, I think it's I think it's a less popular way to go about things in today's world just with there's so much stuff going on there's so much noise and there's so much negativity i think it's i think it's less enjoyable for people and there's so much or so many avenues that people can react to it through social media that it just builds this firestorm of reaction a lot of what mike says is really well thought out and makes a lot of sense but it's the way that he says it that sometimes that clickbait is there where they can run with the headline and not really listen to the entire context of what he's saying. So I have the benefit of hearing the entire thing, Uh, but I do recognize that there is you know a certain interesting quality to Mike that makes him galvanizing where you want to watch him, but at the same time can put people in a bad spot too. But he's never done that to me. I've always enjoyed working with him. And it's an easy guy for me to play off of because everybody hates him. And for some reason they (laughs) like me. So I give him all the credit in the world for that.
1: Jonesy, could you please tell the story of the Black Blazer?
2: Well, I will, Ray. When I started at OLN, which was Outdoor Life Network, which soon became Versus, which eventually became NBC Sports Network, (laughs) I... I uh we had no clothing allowance and I found that to be irritating. So I wore the same jacket for every show. <laughs> and it was a black kind of velvety type jacket. <laughs> I would change my change my shirt and tie and I literally wore that for probably as many shows as Doug Jarvis uh, was playing in consecutive games.
1: <laughs> Did
2: it go to the Hall of Fame? Yeah. Your jacket? Uh, it's, uh, you know what it it actually the inside of it rips of shreds just from the number of times it went to the dry cleaners and the number of times I sweated out underneath it so it was uh it became a real topic everywhere I went even when I would join you guys on TSN, I'd have that jacket and <laughs> it became this, this story that continued to go well now we have a clothing allowance at NBC Sports And I still claim to this day that everybody owes me because I'm the one who made them do it. So (laughs) it worked in the end. It worked in the end, but it took about five years for things to come to
1: fruition. There's always a deeper plan, isn't there, Jonesy?
2: (laughs) There has to be, Ray. There has to be. It's the only way we can send a message anymore.
0: (laughs) Uh, Keith, I got I got a question uh, before we before I let you go, Keith Jones, everybody uh, on the Paul Pocky podcast. Um, Philly it obviously is a, a great sports town, and I'm interested because I feel like I feel like from the outside looking in, it's a really tough town. Obviously, the 76ers have been terrible forever. They're finally there's some light there with them. The Phillies are terrible; they've been rebuilding. The World Series not that long ago. Eagles are great this year, um, but they've been up and down as well. Where do the Flyers sit in Philly? I feel are the fans as frustrated with them as it seems like they are with the other teams or because it's hockey, they fly under the radar, but then it's also kind of known as a great hockey town. Like wh- where are the Flyers at in Philadelphia sports They're, fans?
2: The the Flyer fans have remarkably stayed patient with the plan. They're happy that Ron Hextall is the GM. They're happy that he has kind of gone about things with a bigger pitcher mindset. I think they became disappointed in the team kind of trying to quick fix itself prior to the salary cap era mm-hmm. uh, bringing big names in that ne- weren't necessarily still playing like the names on their back. Uh, that no longer happens. I think they've been happy to see Ron kind of clear out some salary and accumulate draft choices. And if anything, they're becoming a little less patient when younger players aren't given opportunities. They want speed. They're no longer that interested in the rough and tough okay. style of team. They want the team to compete hard but play quick. And it's interesting. They're very smart hockey fans in Philadelphia and very loyal hockey fans. But there's a certain element that are appreciative of the new approach by the Flyers, and I believe that it has bought and run some time to kind of get its plan together. They're going to be good this year, but after that they're going to be very good for a number of years, Mm -hmm. and I think that's what Flyer fans want, that opportunity to not just make the playoffs but to make a run in the playoffs, and they're not that far away from doing that.
1: Interesting. Anything else, Ray? No, I think I'm I'm good. We should let Jonesy go. I, I, I will press you, Jonesy, for one thing, though if you can think of one, is there one thing that's happened in a game? I mean, there's a hundred, I mean, you know, I have a hundred in my head. Is there one thing that would have happened that whenever you sit back and think you come up with this event, whatever it is, and you just belly laugh and you go, that was one of the funniest things I've ever seen.
2: I, I, I can remember. This isn't, this isn't that funny, but just off the top of my head, I remember playing a game against Vancouver and that's what Brad may was playing there. And he was kind of in his heyday as, you know, the entertaining tough guy that he was and he was in desperate need of a fight. And I had played golf with him a couple of times. And uh he's a real fun guy, loves hockey, really and he's in Vegas now doing the games there now. But uh he he comes up to me at a face off and he's looking he looks right at me. He goes, Jonesy, do you fight? And I looked at him and I said Yes, but not you. But I'll find you, (laughs) and I will, just a second. (laughs) And I went over, and I tapped Ruby on the back, and I said, Hey, Chief, I got you a dance partner. (laughs) Get out there and do it. And sure enough, those two guys came together and had a nice entertaining bout. But uh, that was one thing that I still get a chuckle about today. And uh, thankfully, I seem to know the right answer to try to get out of some of the better battles. I always offered Ty Domi the chance to fight, and you should have seen his face, Ray. He would just start licking his chops like I was just like a piece of meat. And, uh, and then as he as he approached me, I go, "Just kidding, Ty. Just kidding. I'm back over there. Not tonight. Not tonight. I'm." Feeling too good. So, Those were kind of, oh, of the Some of the entertaining guys around the league. Well, you got to, uh,
1: I guess you got to know your weight class, hey
2: eh, buddy? Oh, yeah, there's no doubt, and you better be friendly with the linesmen because they can save your life.
0: <laughs> good advice. Good advice. Well, I'm good. Thanks. Uh, thank you very much for coming on, Keith. Uh, great times, great funny, funny stuff. So thank you.
2: Anytime, guys. Great to catch up with you. We'll see you down the road
1: awesome jonesy we'll see you tomorrow night nod or yeah tomorrow night in ottawa yeah, look thanks forward to right? spending some time look forward to seeing good you time, see you buddy guys. yep see you guys bye-bye all right we're back thanks to uh, keith good stuff there Ray. <laughs> um what- i mean who who <laughs> says to another player I don't want to fight, but I will find you somebody. <laughs> Give me a minute. He's like Don King. He's he's a promoter. That was outstanding, <laughs> eh? It
0: was great. Uh, hey, Chief, and and, and and he found the right guy, Chief Berube. Oh, no problem.
1: Greg well, Berube would be like, all right, I'll, I'll go get her done for Uh-oh. you,
0: Jonesy. I'm surprised, Ray, that you could handle the speed of Alan May, Burridge, and Keith Jones, the, the, the raw speed of that line.
1: <laughs> what, what I don't get, with all due respect, is, what the hell were they doing on the ice against us yeah our we, we were our second line yeah yeah so really right you're gonna put out guys that have been sitting there for two and a half hours <laughs> your legs don't feel very good at that point
0: yeah no that's funny good stuff yeah he's uh he's great on nbc sports
1: down here in the u.s for i sure. think he does yeah. an amazing job he is he is he's really good he's smart and he's funny and yeah. Um yeah, you know, I, I like him a lot. Now you t- we brought, we
0: touched on Millberry in there, and I got to be honest with you, I'm not that. I mean, I, I, he was a good player, and uh, um, you know, his executive in the league for a long time. Good coach, took the team to the finals, I believe, in in Boston. But I, I'm not a fan of his uh, him as an analyst. Um, but you know, yeah, you like him, and he's a good guy, and he's saying things for maybe just to get people See, brought up a little what, bit, this,
1: right? But but people have to understand there is a certain part of television that is you know you got to put your ore in the water and stir it up a bit and mm-hmm. a lot of guys don't want to do that they they really don't and and i you know like i think you know with my style if that's a, the right thing of of broadcasting uh-huh. i you know i built my reputation on trying to be really honest and sometimes you know i'm you know i'm viewing a player and i'll say something more critical than other guys will but their style is not to be really critical. To me, I, I could care less whether yeah. I, I make it my business to not know the players. I, I don't want to know them. Yep. I, don't, I mean, I want to talk to them and learn stuff from them and you know maybe have an understanding of their career, but I don't want to know that a guy's a really good guy. I, I really don't yep. because yep. I think that hurts the way that I analyze the game. And I, I guess I can view it quite easily that I had my time in the league, when I was in and now I'm out and I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really okay with that. And I think some guys still yeah. like to be in where I honestly, I could care less. Yeah, I agree. It really de- You it really are, uh,
0: you are not scared to go out there a little bit and criticize a guy at all compared to a lot of your uh, broadcasting uh, buddies.
1: For sure. But I criticize yep. what I think I do. Oh, is yeah. I criticize what's going on. Mm-hmm. Like there's been very rarely where, I can look at a player and go, that, that guy's selfish, which really bothers me a lot. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, that guy's worried about him and not anybody else. That that bugs me a lot, and I will be critical of that. But in most cases, I don't I, – I mean, I, I analyze what I see. And I think that's what Mike does, yep. except Mike understands – Millberry understands that – or and wants to be provocative. And he's like, you know what, this is the time for me to – you know, to tip over a garbage can. And then he just does it. And sometimes I don't think he worries when the garbage can's tipped over that the garbage is all lying on the ground. Yeah. And somebody's got to pick it up. He's like, ah, it yeah. swept up.
0: I mean, this is the man who went into the stands with the shoe, right? Like, very, yeah. he doesn't yeah. seem to, you know, not scared. Um, all right. So, hey, uh, we I did the topics last night. Uh, we had a, a Twitter question, uh, your three moves to fix the Vancouver Canucks last week, and I thought it was great, and your advice was, was pretty good. And so I said, let's bring that back. Three moves to fix the Montreal Canadiens, who are kind of a disaster, except they did win last night. They,
1: they beat the Panthers 5-1. Um, well, the, the problem is you can look at that win, Steve, and go, okay, everything's great. Mm-hmm. They won 5-1. Well, in the first minute, Carey Price stopped a breakaway. Now, if they get down one, nothing. Yeah. It might. I mean, it could easily tip a lot of that game on its ear. But anyway, Price turns it aside. Yep. Then they get goals: two from Shea Weber, one from Alex Galchenyuk, one from Brendan Gallagher, and Max Pacioretty. So, I would say their five most important people did what they needed to do last night. Now, I didn't watch the game start to finish. I mm-hmm. watched segments of it when I got home. Hmm. Uh, from doing the Ottawa game. And there were portions of the game where Montreal's defense had a tough time shutting down the cycle or the speed of Florida. They really had a tough time with it. But they won 5-1, and so they can exhale a little bit. What needs to happen in Montreal in the immediate term is they need to to relax and they need to play. The problem is I don't think they're good enough to – to have a long stretch of games. Like Jonesy's talking about 20 games where you look like you win the Stanley Cup, 20 games where you look like you're not going to make the playoffs. Well, the Canadians just didn't win for seven. Mm-hmm. So you could say that's part of their 20. Yeah, And they need to get to the 40 where they're in the midst of the fight for every game. But the three things I think they need to do, yep. um, if, if, I, you know, if I'm rebuilding there, is, is one, they have to stop trading their draft picks. Under all circumstances, stop trading your draft picks you're not good enough to trade a draft pick for a player. Trade a player for a draft pick. Now, I know that means you're going backwards slightly um, as you accumulate these picks. And, um, and, you know, people say, well, you got Shea Weber and Kerry Price. They have eight more years on their deal. If you go backwards for a year or two accumulating picks, mm-hmm. I'm okay with that. Right. Accumulate your picks and draft them. And draft well. The that's number one. Number two is they've got to do a better job once they get these people into their organization. Their developmental record has been really poor. The Canadians don't, um, they don't promote from within very effectively. And if you're always outside looking to bring somebody in, whether it be an Alish Hemsky or you go get Jonathan Drew, oh, wait a minute, we traded Mikhail yep. Sergeyev, who's got eight points already in Tampa. You can't do that. So you have to draft better and you have to develop better. And if they, that's two things. The third thing is their game has to modernize. And what I mean by that is I think we're at a point now where we can, with all the advanced stats, whether you like them or don't, you can look at the stats and go, okay, the Bruins are near the top in shots per game. They're at the bottom in goals four. They're at the bottom in shooting percentage. Why is that? They shoot the puck too much from areas where you're just yep. looking to create a little chaos, I guess, mm-hmm. but they're not going to go in. The, the pucks are not going to go in. And so the game gets modernized by getting your defense into the rush. You need four guys into the rush. Every team does it. Yep. The Canadians are a little sluggish at that, but you need four guys into the rush. When you cycle the puck in the corner, it can't always come back to the blue line. And this was a critique in Boston when Julian was there. Puck comes back to the blue line. It's a shot and cram the net. Right. Well, the puck gets to the blue line, and 70% of the time it hits something on the way in. When you cycle out of the corner, it's got to go to the net. You got, the guy's got to drive it to the net. And if he can't get it to the net, he's got to, he's got to pass it to a position where he can shoot it to the net. If it always goes to the point, too often the puck never gets to where it's supposed to be. So I would say those are my, those are my three things. Yep. You draft better. Once you draft, you develop better. And you modernize your style of play a little bit.
0: All right, interesting. Yeah, it um it hasn't worked out so far. And and, and speaking you brought up Hemsky's name, that's not working out so well as much as we thought it would be, you know, like a like a Radulov move under the radar. Well, you know?
1: I thought but, I thought it would be a decent chance yep. to take. It wasn't a huge amount of money. Nope. Now he's hurt mm-hmm. and, you know, injury is really um I'm an Alish Hemsky fan, but injury has really hampered what could have been for Hemsky. Mm-hmm. He's just just not able to do what Right. what he probably should have been able to do over his career.
0: I don't know if you saw, Ray, I don't know how much you follow the other sports, but uh, so Martavius Bryan of the Steelers said he wants the ball more, he wants to get out of here, even though he's Playing with Antonio Brown, you know the best, maybe one of the best receivers in the league. <laughs> right. the, the the rookie on Cincinnati, Mixon, he he wants the ball more. He was complaining about his coach. His coach told him that to, uh, Marvin Lewis said you got to be more mature. Uh, Eric Bledsoe of the Suns said I got to get out of here on Twitter, right? Um, and then yeah. so he's out of there. And then was getting a haircut or something, right? Then he claimed he was at a hair salon. Anyways, my point of all of this, right, is Brendan Gallagher, a, a, a kid you know pretty well, and we had him on the show last year. Uh, I, I read something this week, and I thought it was I don't want to trumpet hockey players you know what I mean I don't want to be one of those guys but Gallagher taken off the power play for a little while they asked him about it he said I have no problem with it I'm not playing well I'm not doing as well as I can it's a privilege to play in the power play hopefully I get back on there and 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 he is now again last night he scored but I just like the attitude you know what I mean like I just i read that quote from Brendan Gallagher yep. and I'm like yeah that's how you do it you don't say, you don't tweet it out, you don't go to ESPN, I just, I don't know, I just...
1: Well, the, I, I would say that, um, you know, it, Twitter's great, you can get your voice out, yeah. um, but by complaining publicly, like the examples you gave, yeah. do you think that's going to make the coach go, <laughs> oh gee, the fans <laughs> right. are going to boo me, so I better play him more? Right. If you've got a problem, be a man, like be an adult, Mm-hmm. Be, you know I would say the same to uh, women playing professional sports, too. Be a grown-up. Be a woman. Go talk to your coach. Be a man. Go talk to your coach. Confront them on the issue. Say, look, I think I should be playing. But don't go in there and say, hey, go to your coach or then to the media and say, I think I should be playing more. Mm-hmm. Because that's like punching the wind. Go in, tell them you want to play more, and then tell them why you should play more. I should, play, I should be on the power play because of this, this, and this. Make him have an answer, because at the very least, you make him think. And if you deserve to, he's going to play you more. I don't know any coach that says, you know what? At the risk of us winning and me being more secure in my job, I'm going to screw that guy. (laughs) I'm going to not play him. Yeah, Yeah, I might get fired because of it, but that doesn't happen. Coaches like to win. They like to be employed. So for Gallagher to say that um, really is the adult, mature mm-hmm. way to go, yeah, guess what? I've sucked early, and I'm going to be better. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to get a couple of goals, and I'm going to get back on the power of play. Yeah, I liked
0: it. I, the media probably ran to him looking for some sort of sensationalist quote, and he was like, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm fine with it. I'll work hard. I'll get back on it. You know,
1: I that's, liked it. That's, the way, that's exactly
0: the way to deal with it. Yeah. Um. All right, let's take some Twitter questions, and then uh, we'll wrap up talking about this uh, TSN Craig Cunningham feature that uh, I think you had something to do with, Ray. Uh, all right, first up, Chris Vancers: Who has more pressure, Coyotes to win their first, or the team trying not to lose against the Yotes? And I don't. And specifically, we don't need to touch on that. But Ray, I'm certainly you've been there as a as a team going into it into a building where the you know the team is really struggling, and you don't want to be that guy that, or that team that gives it up, you know.
1: Yeah, the more, the more pressure's on the team that hasn't won, though. No. Yeah. I mean, because you could win seven in a row, and then you go into a team that hasn't won. Eventually, they're going to win, they beat you. That doesn't put your job in jeopardy. That doesn't put your team in a critical position that they might miss a playoff spot or something like that. You haven't won. Guys are under way more pressure because they're thinking, guess what? We don't win pretty soon. There's going to be changes. There's going to be changes. I might be the change.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, Things are tough with the Coyotes right now. Um, All right, Gary says, uh, my son is seven years old and tried out hockey in April, and he's been hooked ever since. We have no hockey players in the family. What are some tips?
1: Um, Help him love the game. Help him. um, If he wants to play in the driveway, go play in the driveway. If... Um, if you're telling him, hey, you should go practice your shot, then it's the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. Let him lead the way. But like anything, um, if you're building a house, you don't start with the roof. You start with the foundation. And the foundation of hockey is skating. So if in a fun environment, take him to public skating. Mm-hmm. Just get him on his feet. Make him be a, or Help him be a little more comfortable on his skates. And as he gets a little more comfortable on his skates, help him get to a skating lesson here or there. Not three times a week. I I didn't get how old the the little guy was, but you know, it's not like you have to throw him into a high performance academy. That stuff's ridiculous. He's seven when the kids are little. He's seven. He's seven. Yeah. Oh, good. Help him love the game. Right. Help him. Help him build the foundation of his game, which is to skate and get him a bunch of get him a half a dozen hockey balls that you can buy at the store for a yeah. dollar and shoot them into a net. And they don't have to be perfect shots. It's just shooting in the net. Have fun. Make a game. draw, tar- Make targets that he can shoot at. If you don't want to go buy targets because, I don't know, you, you're just too expensive or whatever, yeah. tie an empty soda can to the crossbar of the net. Let him shoot at that. I used to shoot at 10 old coffee cans. Or pie plates. Like, huh? What difference does it make? It's just a target. Yeah. yeah. And the kid will make his own game up, and then you have fun. When you have fun, you don't even think you're learning, but you are.
0: Uh, yeah, good, great great advice. Uh, from Scott, will the Ducks be forced to make a move with uh, Patrick Eves out for an unknown amount of time? Um, and also all their injuries, they have Cam Fowler is out now. Uh,
1: oh, man, their
0: Ducks have been hit hard.
1: The Ducks have been shredded. Uh, first off, I want to uh, pass my best wishes to Patrick Eves. Um, he is a fantastic guy. I know of him more so because he was in the Detroit system when my son Landon was there. Mm-hmm. Um, so Patrick got sent to the American League. And so he would drive down for practice in Grand Rapids three hours, finish practice, jump in the car so he could get home for dinner with the oh, wow. family. Really? Huh. And then he'd do it the next day. And he'd come to practice, and Landon said he had a smile on his face. He worked hard. He was really helpful with the younger guys. And now he's got this illness, and um, I, can only, I can only wish him the best. Yeah. Um, I hope he's okay. Now, I thought the Ducks were going to be forced to make a move before this situation with mm-hmm. Patrick anyway. Yep. They're short up front. They're deep on the blue line. They just got Hampus Lindholm back. In a couple of weeks, they'll get Sammy Vattenin back. And then, a, you know, a week and a half or two weeks past that, they'll get Cam Fowler back. When they get those three guys back in the lineup, I would say that would be the time that Anaheim would probably look to mm-hmm. find a forward that they could move a defenseman for. And um, I think they'll have, lots of, they'll have lots of options because they'll have a, a good, younger defenseman to move. Uh,
0: I think I know the answer to this one, but it's, it's interesting anyways. Craig Thiessen says, uh, Ray, as a player in international competition, would you rather win the bronze medal game or lose the gold medal game and finish with a silver? So, uh, probably
1: win the bronze.
0: Oh, really? Oh, my, I thought it would yeah. be automatically other way, right? Really, seriously?
1: <laughs> no, the I've got I've got two silvers in uh-huh. stock. Okay, <laughs> um, you know we were tied two-two with the checks. Mm-hmm. Um, in the gold medal game, they scored with 19 seconds left, and then immediately after the game, some guys hanging a silver medal so, around yeah. your neck, and yeah. you're like, "Yeah, great, fabulous," but this sucks. <laughs> Oh, good thing! When asked. you win the bronze, you're you're happier about the bronze now. I'm proud mm-hmm. of my silver medals now. Yeah, but at the time,
0: it sucks. Yep. Uh, when wearing a button shirt, do you button bottom to top, start in the middle, or button top to bottom, Ray? Uh, start in the middle.
1: Really? Okay. Yeah, because if you start at the top, I, I don't know. It just you never. I can never tell which button I'm supposed to be at. I you know, know like, you don't, you know, I'm not like Burt Reynolds in the 70s, right? So you got <laughs> right, the thing right, right. done down to your mid-chest. So, like, I, I shrug into my shirt and I, you know, make sure okay. make sure I get the sleeves on. And then I do the middle button and then I go to the top. I can think I got an odd routine as I think of it now. Yeah. I go middle then I get to the top and then I work back down to the middle and then down to the bottom of the shirt. Seems like, seems like not a very efficient way, does it? No, no. I go bottom all the way up. That's, that's, that's my move. No, uh, that's that, that, that I know for certain <laughs> is not the way to do it. Oh, okay. All right. Sorry. I don't, I don't go- know why that's just, you know, I don't know. you don't <laughs> wear button up shirts very often. Anyway. Well, That's Who just
0: you it. I don't wear button up shirts. Yeah. Very rarely. Um, all right, from uh, Reese or Rice, Leonard, most money you've made off a stick or a gear company. Like, what kind of deals would, would a solid uh, second not, line for me, nothing. nothing. Nothing.
1: Nothing. I did I even make any? Um, really, you didn't make like you? So you could switch sticks? Uh, no, nothing. You? Very little. Very little. Wow, Couple thousand bucks. Okay.
0: All right, two more. Best nickname you've ever heard?
1: All. Oh. I mean, there's a lot. I don't. I don't know. That's it. Yeah. Uh, I didn't see that before. That's best nickname. The, Not the ones with a Y at the end, or, no. you know, like that's that stuff. The little ball of hate is hard to beat. I mean, that's a, Yeah. But nobody called them true me or Verbeek or, you know, nobody yep. calls Brad Marchand that it's just kind of like a moniker. Okay. True. Um, true. like right now, I don't know why they called, I think I know why, but they called Jake Vertan and big tuna. Okay. And, uh, they gave him that nickname in, in Utica last year. I like things that don't necessarily mean anything to the outside world. That yeah, to me is a good right. nickname. Um, so, big tuna would be a good one.
0: And, and um, it's always uh, don't let anybody know that you don't like it, right? Because then you're stuck.
1: Oh well, yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I mean, I, put it this way: the, the guys in Hartford called me Pee Wee. Yep. And uh, I love that nickname. I love that they I'm 53, and when I see Joel Quenville or Kevin Deneen, or, they're like, hey, Peewee, how are you going? Right. I, I, I love that. I like it's got nothing to do with my name. It's just because I was short, and I kind of like it. Yep. Uh, from Mike Gent, uh, this past weekend, New York
0: Islanders hosted alumni reunion, and former players were introduced before Saturday night's game versus San
1: Jose. Did Ray receive an invite? Yes, I did. Oh. Um, the Islanders have done a – have done. Have worked really hard to bring the alumni back in touch. Um, I just, you know, for a lot of the guys, they live in the east. Yeah. I got, I got home Friday morning. I couldn't very well fly back on Saturday to go to the reunion, um, and then Sunday night get on the red eye back in Vancouver to get to Toronto. You know, like yeah, yeah, I got to yeah. be home yeah. sometime. And unfortunately, I just wasn't able to be there. I would have I loved to have been there and seen some of the old guys and um, the guys that were in front of us. Like you know. Bobby Nystrom and Clark yep. Gillies and, you know, guys like that who are just such awesome guys.
0: Wow. Okay, good. So this is a step forward to alumni games, and this is a step
1: forward to... Yeah, by the know. time they not nah, alumni games, I'm not that interested anymore.
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, last thing, Ray, on the Pocky podcast before we uh, let everybody go. Thanks to Keith Jones for his time, by the way. Craig Cunningham, a kid that you talked about last year. We all know what happened. He uh, had a heart heart issue, almost passed away on the ice uh playing for uh Phoenix's uh AHL team. You've seen this kid grow up. He's a friend of Landon, your son. And uh it looks like I haven't seen it yet, and I hope to see it down in the US. Sometimes this stuff is blocked, but TSN has done a uh a little documentary on Craig and what he's doing now and his next step and um you uh you've seen it and uh
1: how is yeah, it? well, I, um, uh this we started taping this about four months ago. Um, it'll be a, an eleven to twelve minute feature that'll run on Sports Center tonight, Wednesday, mm-hmm. and then it'll be on the website. Uh, it'll run all day Wednesday, uh, starting at the five o'clock website or s- starting with the five o'clock Sports Center. Mm-hmm. Um, it, the show is called All Heart, and basically the story of Craig is that he had a heart attack on the ice; he almost died. Um, this. Incredible doctor, Dr. Zane Kalpe, um, happened to be in Tucson because that's where he lives. I mean, Craig could have been somewhere else and mm-hmm. he probably wouldn't have made it. Um, he did a, a procedure that he had done twice before. So Craig's the third patient in the world that had this procedure done to decompress his heart. Um, started to get better, but in the course of getting better, um, he didn't have proper blood flow to his lower left leg, and, and that they had to eventually amputate him his leg below the knee, and so it's about Craig's recovery. It's not so much about the story mm-hmm. of what happened. It's about Craig's recovery. He's an incredible kid, just an incredible kid. He's one of those people when you meet him, he is uh, a kid that you really fall in love with. He's just a he's an awesome kid. Um, he just got an, uh, the Ace Bailey Award at the NHL Alumni uh, Awards uh, for courage. Um, uh, that was on Monday night in Toronto. And, uh, I did, the you know, I introduced him to the, to the crowd and, um, uh, you know, Craig's like a, almost like a surrogate son to me. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, Landon's best friend. And, um, I, uh, I know that kid's going to be in the NHL somehow. I don't know if he's going to be a coach, mm-hmm. if he's going to be a manager, if he's going to be a player personnel guy, a skill guy, I'm not sure, but Craig will get there. Um, I've seen him hitting a golf ball. I've seen him in the gym. Um, He will fight to have as much normalcy as he can. He's gonna gonna do something important, for sure. And part of this piece is Mm -hmm. uh, they have a heart initiative to, um, to, to do more dynamic heart testing on professional athletes. Um, so something like this doesn't happen because it has happened in the past. Absolutely, yeah. happened to Rich, Rich Peverly, happened to Yuri Fisher, uh, happened to Brett McLean. Um, uh, Carp- the Russian player yeah. Cherop- Cheropanov mm-hmm. actually died on the bench, and a Ranger draft pick uh, died in the KHL. You know, all yeah. sort of similar things yeah. that probably could have been tweaked out had they had they had this testing.
0: Yeah, and reading the feature from Bob McKenzie, it's $3,000 a guy, a test or something. Not a lot when you look at the uh, the benefits that it could help uh, down the line.
1: Well, and don't forget, it's, it's a couple thousand bucks now mm-hmm. per guy. The more they do it, the more efficient it becomes, the cost comes down.
0: Yeah. Yeah, wouldn't that be cool if that ends up being something where, you know,
1: we yeah, doing. where it's his legacy yep. of that. Yep. I, I you know, so I hope people get a chance to watch and if they see it they will take the a minute to watch. I'll I'll make sure it gets tweeted out. I'm mm-hmm. I i do not know the the rules and regulations of what can and can't be watched over the border and stuff, but um we'll do our best to make sure it's uh, on one of those non geo locked right uh things so people can watch it.
0: Yeah, fantastic. I can't wait. Uh, Mackenzie did a really good article uh previewing it and um It's going to be exciting to see. And so
1: I I voiced the piece, Uh and um, so you know my contribution was basically setting up TSN with Craig, Mm -hmm. and then helping steer the piece a little bit. But the producer is Josh Shyman. He's an award-winning producer. He does a does an amazing job. And um, I've seen the piece. Um, I'm really proud of it, and and I hope people will be inspired when they see what Craig has done. Yeah,
0: fantastic. And he's doing some scouting for uh, Arizona.
1: Yeah, he's, yep. he's scouting around with Arizona and uh, awesome. learning that things aren't so easy trying to put together an organization. <laughs> Which you could have told him, right? You're like, "Hey, how, how's this move?" Yeah, I could have told him <laughs> that, but you know how it is. Yep. Yeah, until you do it, no, you don't really know.
0: Absolutely. All right. Well, uh, that sounds fantastic. I I really hope to to, uh, to watch this and uh, get a chance to uh, to see it. He seems like a great kid from everything you've said, and uh, it's fantastic. So, um. Thanks everybody for listening this week, Paul Pocky Podcast with the great Ray Ferraro. We'll be back each and every week to uh, go around the game and uh, get some guests on. And
1: uh, yeah, thanks, Ray. Appreciate it. No, it was awesome. Thanks to Jonesy and um, uh, Keith Jones, who was fun to have on. And we'll uh, we'll have someone else to natter at next week as well. Fantastic. See you. See ya.